0: listening To the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit TBCweb.com. Well, hello everybody. It's good to see you all. So glad you're with us. And hey to everybody joining us online. If you're not comfortable yet coming and gathering with us, we're glad that you're able to join with us in some way, and those at our campus in Middleville. And in Delton, blessings on you guys. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, in some ways, I've been doing this for a long time, and I feel like I never got very good at being religious. It's like, I don't do the liturgy or anything like that. I have never worn a collar. And I thought maybe I needed to change my way. So tonight, I, th- I thought, you know, wh- wh- what I'm going to do is I'll just, this, I'm going to solemnly light a candle. So this is a pretty religious, let's just all, okay, just be religious now. And I'll light the candle, Hopefully. See, I can't even do that well, all right? I just have never done the religious thing very well. And, uh, and we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. But while I'm talking about that the whole thing, I, I was thinking, you know, if I, if I could, you know, because I'm kind of on my way, you know, on the south side of ministry and everything in terms of, of my years. And I thought if I could become more uh, religious-looking and everything. What would that look like? So I asked somebody to help me with this, and I thought maybe if you guys could just give me some input perspective on what you like best. So I'm thinking about some new wardrobe, and this is one that I was thinking of. It, I, I think this has got the high church thing. You think this looks good? And then, you know, I, uh, somebody uh, had the idea maybe we should do more of the Jesus of Nazareth look, and I definitely felt like uh, that one absolutely did not work. And so uh, then someone had the idea, maybe we could go more Buddhist. I'm not sure uh, if that's really good. And this next one, I'm not even sure where that came from, all right? That's just, but I kind of settled on what I think is best. You let me know as the uh, Mother Teresa look. What do you think about that? And if you're watching online, you can vote or make a comment or something. Be kind in the comments, all right? Let's take that off the screen. Thank you very much. So we're in week three of this series that we started called Touchstone, and the idea is we're talking about the term t- touchstone basically refers to this idea of going back and checking if something is legitimate, if it's operating the way it's supposed to, according to manufacturer specifications, if it's being what it is supposed to be. And we've been very specifically zeroing in on the idea of What I describe as spiritual people connections, or the term I've been using is spiritually intentional relationships. Because if you go all the way back to the beginning, and we're using the word tribes now around here a lot, but if you go all the way back to the beginning, you see that part of our manufacturers, our creator's specifications for us, is that he wants us to be in connection and relationship with other people. This is a touchstone verse that we've been using in this series. God's created man now, and then he says, it is not good for the man to be, say it out loud with me. Alone. It is not good for the man to be alone. It's not just describing the man, but it's describing humanity. It's not good for us to be alone. So you have the ancient recorded words in Scripture of God saying it's not good to be alone. We have countless secular research studies that have been done that validate this very truth. This is what we know, is that if you are void of life-giving relationships that are that are intimate to the place that they're emotionally impactful, and particularly in this series, we're talking about the idea of them being spiritually impactful. At the very best, that isolation will deplete you. You'll not be as strong. At the worst, actually, it can, it can whew, snuff you out. For candle to burn, You know, lots of things are required. Most of them you're gonna see right off the bat. You got the wick and the wax and you need a spark to start the process. But one of the most critical ingredients is one that you can't really see with the naked eye. It's, of course, oxygen. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's low on the list. Actually, it's right at the top of the list. See, when the flame isn't isolated, the candle's gonna burn brightly. It looks beautiful, but as soon as, well, As soon as I cover it and begin to limit the oxygen, you can see what happens. It starts to go out, and then I have to take it away, and it starts to go out, and I have to take it away. Of course, you can kind of play a game, some people do. How close can I get to not snuffing it out? Kind of a silly game, but actually it's one that many of us play I would say at least spiritually. I I call it the gasping game. It's like we isolate ourselves, we get away from people, we don't have any connections spiritually and we start to gasp. Things go wrong and then we go back to church and we talk to someone and things are good and we're starting to be lit up again, but then it's inconvenient so we go back and the light begins to dim and then we let it off again and back and forth we go, gasp, gasp. And we wonder why we struggle, why we can't seem to burn brighter spiritually I'll tell you, you're lacking oxygen, or in the language we use, you don't have a tribe. You don't have spiritually intentional relationships that will help you with all the stuff that comes at you in life. You need that. You don't have guardrails or voices that will help you with line of sight, and then you go long enough without that. Of course, you know what happens. So I've talked about this week after week after week. If you don't have intentional spiritual connections in your life, relationships, doesn't have to be a ton, it can be one person, it can be three or four, it can be a dozen, but if you don't have them, I am contending That over time, and it may be a slow process, that your flame will get dimmer and dimmer until eventually it actually goes out. And I've seen this, and I've talked about this, and I know some of you who come regularly, you've heard me, this is week three, and you're like, okay, okay, uncle, uncle, I get it. I know we're supposed to be in these relationships, and I'm going to join a group, or I'm going to do something. And I believe you mean that. I believe that we all know that that's right. But what I would contend is, is that this is one of the easiest things to let go of that there is. It's just amazing to me because we all, we're busy, we're running the kids here and there and we've got things on our mind, we've got all these things going and this is one of those things that gets left by the side so often in people's lives. They have people they know who are Christians but if you were to say, who's in your tribe? Who do you have? In other words, who do you have an intentionally spiritual relationship with? In other words, your intent together is to grow in God. Who do you have like that? The vast majority of people, I mean, they don't, they just don't have it. In fact, we don't even think about this very often. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We talked about a couple last week. Some of them are even unconscious. It's like, we're afraid that our, our dark side is going to show. And so we, we unconsciously push people away. Or maybe, maybe it's just basic human selfishness where we're just like, I don't have time. I can't, do, and we push people away. Now this week, I want to talk about one of the reasons why I think many of us don't have these kind of relationships that I'm describing, or if we do, they don't last. And I want to talk about something that keeps us from that, that I think maybe is the most important thing I'll talk about. In fact, I'm giving a whole talk this week just to this subject because, and this sounds kind of dramatic, but I think it's maybe one of the biggest reasons that we're isolated, that we don't have these relationships, even though we don't see it. And this is what it is. It is unaddressed people wounds. And what I mean by that is when you get wounded by another human being, it could be somebody in your family, it could be somebody at school, it could be somebody at work, it could be a friend, it could be a stranger, there's all kinds of reasons. But when we are wounded by people in life and we don't deal with it rightly, this is my contention, when we get these unaddressed people wounds and we don't deal with it rightly, what happens is we think it goes away over time because we don't think about it so much. But those things do, listen to me, they do not go away. They simply go underground and become rooted in you. And actually, Scripture speaks to this. I've quoted this verse many times. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. This is an interesting thing. What it's saying is you already have the root in you. In other words, it's something there that you didn't deal with, and it rooted in you. And then at some point, sometimes far down the road, and you're not even aware of it, it begins to grow up, and it brings damage. It defiles, it hurts people. First it goes underground, and then once rooted, at some point, these unaddressed women become infections in us that eat us from the inside out. And I just want to be clear on this. Nobody listening to this. There's not a person you're watching online, you're sitting in Middleville, and you're just listening to this. There's not one person that doesn't need to hear the stuff that I'm going to say this week. I mean, I, I know that sounds a little arrogant, like, I have something important to tell you, but I do. Because what I will tell you is, is that for many people, they're like, they're like, well, yeah, you know, I, I've been hurt. People wound me sometimes, but, you know, I try not to make a big deal out of it. If it's nothing, nothing. I just, I, you know, and I've heard people who have been deeply wounded, much worse than me. She, her husband abandoned her and all this. And I get, I know what you do. I know what we do with these things. We go, it's not a big deal. And so I'm going to just push it off to the side and not pay attention to it. I fully understand why you do that. In fact, I think sometimes it's appropriate to say I should stop complaining about stuff. I, just, just in the last couple of weeks, I was talking about something with my wife, and honestly, I was complaining about some pandemic thing. I, I mean, Anybody not complained about a pandemic thing lately? You know, there's always something. I think it might have been, you know, I couldn't get a flavor of something I wanted, you know, in the store. Oh, horror. You know, it was first world problem. And I was complaining about it. And and, and I'd kind of stopped talking. And she wasn't even thinking about trying to convict me. But she started talking about this article that she'd read from Compassion International about the suffering in third world countries because of the pandemic where people are actually going without food. And I'm listening to it going, okay, okay, I will shut up. And I think that's appropriate. Sometimes I think in our first world whininess, we should stop complaining and shut up. And just let it go. Just don't worry. Don't be concerned with it. But listen, what I'm talking about here, these unaddressed people wounds, this is entirely different. This is absolutely different. When you've been wounded by somebody, and it doesn't matter who it is, somebody in your family, somebody else, when you've been wounded, you cannot ignore that. You cannot ignore a wound from somebody. You cannot go, it's not that big a deal, I'm just going to push it off the side. You cannot, you have to address it. And I will tell you what the years have taught me, because sometimes we'll go, well, it's not that much pain, you know, and other people have suffered. You, you can't compare pain. If I've learned anything, is that pain is relative to the wounded. So, you know, trying to measure your woundedness and say, this is not that big a deal that I have to really process through this, It is. It doesn't matter if it's father wounds or if it's friend wounds or if it's some stranger that laughed at you when you tripped in the street, when you get a people wound, you cannot leave it be. And I know it's pretty dramatic me saying that, but just hang on because this is here's why this is so important. Because most of us believe, and and I think we're actually right in this, that we're really kind of helpless when it comes to people wounding us. In other words, we can't stop it. People will wound us. And I understand, I I actually believe that that's true. I understand that there's times when you know someone is like a repeat offender or there's somebody that's unsafe. You can distance yourself. You can and you should. I believe that. But for the most part, you know this, and I know this, that you sustain wounds from people who love you, people who know you, people who don't know you, all the time. You experience wounds in your life, and sometimes they're intended, sometimes they're not, but they happen, and you had nothing to do with it. They just did it. And it wounded you. It came in and it's like, oh, that hurt. And this happens. I'm talking about everybody. This happens. And you can't, you have no power over that. You can't stop people. You fall in love with someone and you, you marry them. Let me guarantee you, they will hurt you. Come on, is that true? All the married people that are here alone are saying yes. But the ones that are together are going, no, no, it's not. But it's true. You can love someone deeply and they can love you and you still hurt each other. Wounds happen in everybody's life and you think you know, that, you know, that shouldn't happen, you should be able to stop it, but you're powerless over that. You are, for the most part, powerless over the wounds that come at you. But here's what I want you to hear. Though you are powerless over the fact that people will wound you, what you are not powerless over is what you do with the wound once you get it. That you have a choice in. You choose what you do with it. I mean, you can go, oh, I just got so painful. You get a choice in what you do with this. And I'm not downplaying your pain. I know some of you are going, if you knew the wound that my wife or my husband, or if you knew the wound that came from this person or whatever, I'm not downplaying the pain. What I'm saying is, is that you have a choice in what you do with it. You maybe were helpless in them of, hurting you, but you have a choice in how you process that. You know, do I just, you know, I got this stab, do I just let myself bleed out and die from it and complain the rest of my life, or do I numb it, you know, for the country music people? Do I just get drunk on a plane, whatever it is, you know, what do I do with it? How do I deal with the pain? Do I plan revenge? Do I just think about how horrible they are? What you do with the wound, you have a choice in. Amen, anybody? You have a choice You choose what you do with that thing. And the the, the truth is the Bible and all kinds of research all validate this together. If you don't deal with the wound rightly, when you get wounded, if you don't deal with it rightly, what happens is it goes underground. And you forget about it, but it's there. And it's unprocessed, and at some point that root of bitterness begins to grow out. And, And this is, again, another strong statement, but I think actually... Wounds that are left unaddressed, what happens when when we have those things in our lives next is maybe responsible for more pain than almost anything else that you experience in life. And it comes from the result. When wounds are unaddressed appropriately, the pain that comes is the result of unforgiveness, of not choosing to consciously forgive, to move in the direction it's where we let yesterday's wounds infect us to the point that they damage today's relationships. And that's why I'm talking about this. Because we sometimes wonder, why am I such a, why am I such a mess? I get into these relationships, I mess these things up. We don't even know. It's, it, I can speak to this personally. I can let things that I have not addressed, maybe even years ago, have such an impact on me that they will, they will have me keeping people at arm's length today because I never dealt with that thing years ago, in crazy ways. So, I remember years ago, um, I was very—it was very early in the ministry—and somebody. Uh, who was coming to our church started to attack me, and they did it vocally, publicly. They they called into account my character, my ability. The whole I'd never experienced anything quite like that, and it was so devastating. I me, mean, I was in such pain, and I didn't even know how to deal with it. But part of me just went, "Okay, this is the time where you suck it up and you act like a big boy and you just move on with life and you just figure it out and you keep going and you you know you can't let these things keep you down." And that's what I worked at, and that's what I did. And you know, I got to the place where I thought to myself. I'm doing pretty darn good with this. I used to think about it every day. I don't even think about it anymore. I think I'm I'm over this thing. I'm tough. I did it. And then one day, this is a funny thing, but this person that wounded me, they did their hair. Their hair was coiffed in a very particular way, and you would hardly ever see that kind of a hairstyle. One day, I'm in a public place, and I see someone that I do not know, but they have that exact hairstyle. Have you ever had this happen to you? And I looked at them, and I didn't, you need to be clear, I didn't just have a memory, oh, that person looks like so-and-so that hurt me. I looked at them, and I had a visceral response to them. I wanted to punch them in the face. And I'm like, I don't even know that person, but I want to hit them right now. It was that strong on the inside of me. It's like, I will never talk to you. I hate you. I don't even know who you are, but I don't like you. Anybody ever felt that? And it was crazy, and I was like, whoa, it made me step back and go, okay, maybe this thing is not better. It just went underground. And then I'm not even thinking about it, but it's still there, and it will come out. And these kind of things happen all the time. See, when you don't deal with stuff in a healthy way, it doesn't just go away. It goes, as I said, underground, and for the longest time you're not aware of it. But then you start acting in what's called implicit bias. A lot of you know what I'm talking about here. This is, a, this is where you unconsciously are treating people in a certain way. You're not even aware that you're doing it because it's being driven out of stuff that's been submerged in your life. And so I bet some of you have experienced this at the hands of other people. It's like, why are they treating me like garbage? I've not done a single thing to them. What is wrong that they're acting? To, what did I do? You did nothing. They sustained some kind of a wound somewhere over here, but because they didn't deal with it, because there was not forgiveness, which is the appropriate way to address a people wound, now it's impacting how they're treating you. And all of us have experienced this. It's it's not anything that you've done. It's what happened in them. Now, what does that have to do with spiritually intentional relationships, which is what we've been talking about? It's one of the reasons why we tend to stiff-arm people we don't even know it. I'm not going to get close to you. I'm not going to open up what's happening inside of me to you because when I did that before, and we're not even thinking this consciously. It's just there. I am not going to set myself up again. And so we stiff arm them, not because of a single thing they did, but because of something that happened that we did not address in our lives. And if we don't deal with the wounds, what they do is they continue to keep sabotaging what could be potentially be wonderful and, and vital spiritual, intentional relationships because we've got this thing that's it's never been dealt with. It's never been properly addressed. So what I want to do this week is, I, I, all I want to do in this talk is I just want to kind of take you through what I would describe as a mental or emotional process and just see, is it possible you're doing that? You think it is? Because I do. I do. You might say, I think I'm a pretty healthy person. But I would actually contend that it is amazing how often we allow things that we have not dealt with to screw up relationships that we're in now around people. And sometimes we actually drive away people that God sent in answer to our prayer, please help me figure out how to deal with this. And he sends someone to us and we stiff arm them. Not because of what they've done, but because of what happened here that we never dealt with. And so I'm going to just take you through a little process, and I want you just to think about these things. Because I think if you're going to live with forgiveness, and if you're going to live with clean relationships so you can have better healthier relationships you have to process these things and the first one really is something i've already talked about in this series if you're going to live with forgiveness i think you have to start by just inventorying your relational life and actually looking back over what's gone on in your life and say are there people that i've not forgiven we'll talk about that in a minute but let me just okay let, let me just say i i think sometimes it's amazing to me how we can be given so much And yet we don't respond with it appropriately. We actually do the very worst thing we could do. And this is what happens in our lives relationally too often. I'm going to read you a story that Jesus tells. I'll put the verses on the screen so that you can see it. Just listen to the story and think about it. It's pretty strong. Pretty strong and it ends pretty strongly. Here's here's what Jesus said. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. And and in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Well, he couldn't pay, so the master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his ch- different times back then, but he would be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master, and he begged him, please, please be patient with me, I'll pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him, and he, can you say the next word? He forgave his debt. Notice that. He didn't say, all right, I'll extend the due date out. He actually said, I will wipe the slate clean. You have no debt. Now Jesus goes on with the story. He says, but when the man, the man who had just been forgiven this huge debt, when he left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant fell down before him and he begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. The exact words the guy just used with his master. But his creditor, the, the guy who would just been forgiven so much, wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Jesus says when some of the other servants saw this, they were, they were very upset. And they went to the king and they, they told him everything that had happened. And then the king called in the man whom he had forgiven. And this is what he said. He said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he'd paid his entire debt. And Jesus concludes the story by saying these these strong words. He said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you, what's the next word? Refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. There's so much in this story, but I don't think it would be unreasonable to ask the question, how does a person get to the place where you're forgiven this massive, unpayable debt, like the guy wasn't going to be able to pay it off, but how do you go from the place where you're forgiven that debt, and you're grabbing somebody by the throat, and you won't let them go? How nuts is it for a person to do that? Actually, my perspective is is that that person didn't even realize what he was doing because he wasn't looking at it from that perspective. He was in all likelihood looking at it out of past relationships and out of his unwillingness to trust people. And so not seeing from the 30,000-foot view, he had lost sight of how much he'd been forgiven. And he was treating people in a way that was the opposite of what he should. How much have you and I been forgiven? I mean, seriously. How much have we been forgiven by God? And then somebody offends us in some way and we cannot forgive them? I just just think it's worth thinking about. Actually, when I read this, it's very troubling to me. So so let me ask, just think about it this way. Is there anyone in your life from your past whom have, If I said to you, if you never saw them again as long as you lived, that would be just great with you. Do you have anybody like that you can think of? And if you say no, you're probably lying. Here's what I want to say. I'm not saying you haven't forgiven them. I'm just saying that they should be high on your list of suspects. If you would say, if I never saw that person again, I would be very happy if when their name comes up, your face goes into a grimace, what I would say is that they are high on the suspect list to say, do I need to go back? Do I need to evaluate what's really going on here? Do I need to process and forgive them because I haven't? Or maybe re-forgive them, which is a very real thing. Do I need to do that? At least for the follower of Jesus. Now, I understand some of you listening, maybe you're watching online, you're, I'm not even sure I believe in God. I, I get that. But for those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, this is not really optional. Okay, nobody's saying amen to that, but I'm just going to say it again, all right? This is not really optional, this idea of forgiving people. Let me just tell you what Jesus said again at the end of the story he told. He said, if you won't forgive people, you shut the door on forgiveness to yourself. Come on. This is not an option for us. So we have to ask the question. We have to go back and look and say, Are there people that I, every time they come to mind, I'm just like, oh. Now, I'm not even saying you haven't forgiven them because feelings are very real and legitimate, and I'm not accusing you of not forgiving. I'm just saying they should be high on your suspect. Do I need to step back and say, have I forgiven them really? Or do I need to do that? So first, you make an inventory. And then secondly, and this one is so powerful, you choose to forgive, listen, by faith. This is actually so freeing if you can get this, because what it means is is that you don't have to feel forgiving to forgive. You know one of the biggest reasons why people say I can never forgive them? Because they don't feel forgiving. But God never said you must feel forgiving first, and then you can forgive. He just said you must forgive. And this this is a problem that a lot of people have. And this is so freeing, and when I came to understand this, it was so freeing to me because I realized I could be angry, I could feel resentful, I could be disgusted or frustrated, I could have all kinds of emotions, but I can still forgive because it is an act of my will, which is an act of faith. You don't forgive someone because you feel like it, you forgive them because it is the right thing to do. Now, I learned this lesson years ago when I had someone that I would have considered a best friend. That person wounded me deeply. And in many ways, it felt like the things I heard they were saying about me were just such a betrayal. And I remember, I actually, I was in ministry by, by this time, but I was saying to God, I cannot forgive that person. I, it is too deep. The wound is too devastating. This is such a betrayal. I cannot forgive them. I said it over and over. And it was as if God loved me enough to begin to speak to me and said, this is not an option for you. But to forgive them, you don't have to feel like it. You simply make the choice to do it. And so you say, I forgive them and release them from that thing. Even though you still, you still feel ticked off. You still would like to punch them. You still feel all those things. You just do it as an act of your will. And this is what I learned. And this is it. If you can get this, this is so powerful, is that faith comes first and then feelings come second or later. This is so powerful if you can get this. You don't have to feel like forgiving. You don't have to feel happy or like, oh, bless your heart. You just don't know better. You don't have to feel like uh, you apologize. You, just, you do it by faith first. Let me, let me say it in another way. Maybe this will help. If it, just a statement I wrote out, and I thought this is worth just saying. You don't wait for good feelings. You act to create the circumstances for them to arrive. Because what happens is, is when you act in faith, when you act as your will and you say, I will obey you, God. You call me to forgive, so I will forgive. Even though I still feel angry, even though I still feel hurt and resentful and all that other stuff. And what you do by an act of your will is you begin to create a vacuum for feelings that are positive, and this is exactly what happened with my friend, this is exactly what's happened in my life so many times, is that I started out doing forgiveness, not because I wanted to, but because it was the right thing to do. And then feelings followed, sometimes quite a while later. But then the feelings came later, and this is so often we're being led by our feelings. You know, the truth is about me, I haven't accomplished all that much with my life, but the stuff I have accomplished Almost none of it came as a result of great inspiration where there was soaring music in the background and a choir of angels and all this. None it was just like, I got to do this because it's the right thing. And so I'm going to keep doing it. Some of the most pivotal decisions in my life that have made me accomplish the few things that I've accomplished were not the result of glowing feelings. They were a result of a commitment to act in faith. God, you want me to do this? This is the right thing, so I will do that. So you do an inventory and you forgive by faith. Now this last point is going to feel like I'm going backwards, but I'm not. Just hang with me, all right? You forgive by faith, but you also must let yourself feel. This is really important to understand because one of the reasons that people get into this place where so, they have such a hard time with like, like forgiveness, with actually dealing with these people wounds, is the wound is either so painful or they feel so guilty about feeling this anger and resentment. Like, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't feel like, I feel like I hate them. And so what they do is they push those emotions down and they try to ignore their existence. And in the end, what that does is it just, you can forget it. Sometimes it'll actually go away and you're not even thinking about it. But it's gone down inside and now the thing is rooted in you only to come out at a later time. And I'll tell you this, this one, I mean in honesty, I think this is where we get, we get lost sometimes is that we feel like we cannot acknowledge, you know what, I'm angry And I'm wounded, and the way that person talked to me and treated me is so wrong and so painful. And so we ignore that. We we push it aside because we somehow feel guilty of it. And the truth is, what you need to do is not run from your feelings. It's going to sound like a counseling session. You need to lean into them. You actually need to lean into those emotions and those feelings and let them be there and experience. Because... And I said this last week, I'm going to repeat it again, what you hide won't heal. So if you push those emotions off and refuse to acknowledge them, I'm angry, I feel bitter, I feel resentful, whatever it is, if you refuse to acknowledge their existence, they're not going to heal. You can't really deal with them. You simply can't address what you won't acknowledge. Now some of us, in fact, I would hope all of us have already been thinking about somebody maybe that we need to forgive. I mean in, in, in the last month I've had conversations with people say, I just can't forgive. I just cannot forgive them. And I always try to turn it around and say, well, actually you can, you know. But they 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 feel these feelings are so strong on the inside sometimes, I just can't forgive them. Listen, your feelings are not a sin. Your feelings are just your feelings. And it is okay to acknowledge them and let them be and actually lean into them because as crazy as it sounds, it's so healing sometimes when you acknowledge this is where I'm at. You open it up and you feel it. So you've been thinking about somebody. And you know you need to forgive them, but there's a part of you that just doesn't doesn't know how to deal with it. I heard a gal talk uh, at a conference I was at recently. I thought it was so good. She just shared how she'd been in her counselor's office. She'd been deeply betrayed and, and the counselor said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to write down your feelings. I want you just to write them down. And in his office or her office, whatever, he, th- this gal just began to write down her emotions. She said, it was so freeing because it was like I was acknowledging this is what I have experienced. And it helped her begin to let go. And so we thought... We would end this service by doing that very thing. We thought that we would just, and this is whether you're at home or whether you're at one of our campuses. If you're at one of our campuses, at the, the packet that you saw on your chair or on your table, there's a, like a half sheet of cardstock. I'd love to have you just pull that out right now. It's just blank. Would you just pull that out, everybody, right now? Because what we're going to do is we're going to do a song at all our campuses. We're going to sing a song, and, and you don't have to sing. I'm going to invite you just to write. Just to think about who that person is that you need to say, you know what, I'm going to let go of this thing. I'm going to acknowledge my feelings. Write your feelings down. Maybe you want to write their name. Maybe you say, and I know some people are say, I'm not going to write this stuff because I don't have time. You know, you give me 10 minutes, no, it's not going to work. You do it however you want to. You can just write initials down, or you can actually draw a picture. It doesn't really matter. The key is that you just lean in and be honest about what you're feeling. And then, when this service is over, if you're at one of our campuses, we have little burn barrels in the front on the way out. And you just take that thing and drop it in the fire and just let it go, just let it go. Now if you're at home, don't start a fire in your house, you figure it out. But I invite everyone now, you don't have to do anything. We're gonna do a couple songs just be honest about this person that maybe you need to forgive or reforgive and then as you leave drop it in the barrel and let it go so now holy spirit help us to have open hearts to your voice and listen and respond in Jesus name amen Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit TBCweb.com.